Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're listening with us today. Today is the conclusion to our Infinitely More series. We've been discussing how God has infinitely more for us than we could ever hope or imagine. Last week, we discussed who is the Holy Spirit. Pastor Nicole explained how the Holy Spirit is a person who can and does impact our lives in a very practical way. Today, we're going to continue discussing the Holy Spirit and uncover more about the relationship the Holy Spirit desires to have with each and every one of us. Let's discover more about the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, we made it. We have been deep diving into Ephesians 3.20 for seven weeks. Time flies when you're having fun. And this is the finale. This is the last uh, sermon in this series. By now, I hope this verse is deep in your spirit. It says, uh, Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. So as we talked about in our first week together, God always starts with the end in mind. God's divine plan leads each of us to Jesus, where we then find hope and forgiveness and eternal life. But his plan also leads each of us to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was present at creation and evident in the life of individuals all through the Old Testament and was waiting patiently to be revealed to the world at just the right time. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he reminds the disciples of his plan to send the Holy Spirit. We actually see that in Luke 24, 29, where it says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in this city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so what we see here is that the heart of God is for us to experience the Holy Spirit. And Jesus wants us to have the Holy Spirit so that we can continually faithfully living out the mission and the ministry that Jesus began. And so he gave us that so that we can be part of the work that he started, that he's asking us to live faithfully to and to continue. So today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's the day that we celebrate what happened in the scripture when the Holy Spirit came down and began dwelling among us. Um, I think sometimes we overlook this day. It doesn't get as much attention as Easter or Christmas, uh, but it deserves our focus because this was a pivotal day in the life of the early church. In fact, this was the day that the church was born. And it's pivotal still in our lives today. And so I want to read the account of Pentecost to you. It's a little bit long, so if you'd follow along with me, if you have your Bible. It comes from Acts 2, 1 through 21. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, they were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthenons, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. 
Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. And the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this day, this moment of Pentecost, we celebrate it today on Pentecost Sunday. And it actually was the day that the church was birthed. This was the day that was prophesied many years before in the Old Testament by a prophet named Joel. And what an incredible promise that on the last days, God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon all people. And I'm believing that we're just getting started watching this prophecy unfold, that it started to unfold on that moment. And it has continued to through all these generations. And that quite honestly, the best is still yet to come. So you may have heard the term or you may have been asked before, are you a Pentecostal? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy is a comedian, and he did some bits that started with, you might be a redneck if, you might remember that. Uh, I found a few jokes he did about being Pentecostal, just meant to make you giggle, okay, just for a little bit of fun this morning. Um, here's the first one. If your Fitbit logs 11 minutes of cardio at the beginning of service, you might be a Pentecostal. <laughs> the second one is, if you sing the same chorus for an hour straight, you might be a Pentecostal. And this third picture hit home currently as we're doing drive-in church on certain Sundays of the month. It says, when your Pentecostal church has a drive-up service and the Holy Ghost breaks out. Okay, so just a little bit of fun this morning. I hope you can have fun with me about this. So let's get back to the question, though. What is a Pentecostal? What is a Pentecostal? Well, to be Pentecostal essentially means to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. If God does not act, we fail. So if you are a Pentecostal, then you believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. You believe in the direct experience of the presence of God. Pentecostals believe that faith is powerfully experiential, not just found in rituals, but in relationship with the living God, that the Holy Spirit is working and moving in our lives daily and accomplishes and changes so much more than man could ever do on his own. So let me ask you, is that what you believe? Are you a Pentecostal? Based on that definition, are you spiritually dependent upon the Holy Spirit? In 2 Corinthians, Paul describes the early church, and he describes how the early church, after this Pentecost experience that I read to you moments ago, they had fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. So I want to read 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, and this comes from the New King James Version, and it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
And so I dug a little deeper into that word communion. What does that mean? If, if we are uh, able to have communion with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what does that exactly look like? And the Greek word for communion is actually the word koinonia. Uh, you may have heard that before. Koinonia means all kinds of layers of things. So as I began to unpack what this word meant, it brought so much understanding to me, and I hope to you today, about how you can relate to the Holy Spirit. Um, so koinonia first means a friendly relationship, companionship, sharing together. It's describing a, an intimate friendship. So I found an example of this in Acts 20, uh, verses 22 through 23, where Paul is reporting back to us about these conversations he's having with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, he says, in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. Uh, this shows us a relationship between Paul and the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit's trying to protect him. He's trying to tip him off. Hey, when you're headed there, uh, bad things are going to happen to you. Be warned. Be careful. Prepare yourself emotionally, mentally, spiritually for this. He's trying to protect. The Holy Spirit is trying to protect Paul and prepare him. And the Holy Spirit has Paul's best interest at heart. Now, Paul probably didn't want to hear that city after city would be hard for him. In fact, he may have said to the Holy Spirit, Give me some good news. <laughs> like what, every time I go somewhere, you tell me it's going to be hard. And then what the Holy Spirit tells them actually does happen. But you know what struck me about that is good friends always tell us the truth. Good friends always tell us the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And so what we see in this interaction with Paul and the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is our most faithful friend. The Holy Spirit will always tell us the truth. We know so often our emotions don't always tell us the truth. Uh, people in our life that we deeply love sometimes fail and don't tell us the truth. But the Holy Spirit of God is our most faithful friend and will always tell us the truth. Another example of koinonia, this intimate relationship between the Holy Spirit and a person, uh, we can find in Acts 10 uh, with a man named Peter. Peter gets a vision from God. Uh, the vision is about food. That's my kind of guy. And he tells him that men were coming to escort Peter to the home of a wealthy member of the Italian regiment. Now, this is a place Peter would have never gone on his own. He was an ordinary man. Um, and in fact, the Holy Spirit knew that Peter wouldn't be overjoyed by this instruction uh, because the, it came with many risks. But I love what we see here in Acts 10 is without demanding an explanation from the Holy Spirit, Peter obeys, and he um, follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Peter clearly knew that the Holy Spirit could be trusted, even though he didn't know where he was going or what he was going to do when he got there. Um, Peter obeyed, and he moved in that direction. And so I believe that this shows us that the Holy Spirit is our most faithful friend, and also the Holy Spirit is our most trusted friend. We can trust him. We can trust him if he tells us to move in a direction that maybe we can't see all the end results. He is a faithful and a trusted friend to us. All right, so here's one last example uh, from the New Testament that shows us fellowship and communion between the Holy Spirit and a follower of Jesus. And it's with a man named Philip. Now, Philip uh, was in a desert. Uh, the Holy Spirit said to him, listen, approach a certain chariot at a certain time. Uh, Philip had no idea what he was doing, again, he just trusted the Holy Spirit. He ran up to a chariot at the exact moment the Holy Spirit told him to. And the gentleman in the chariot was third in command over all of Ethiopia. Peter had no idea that this is who he would approach. And at that moment, so at that exact moment, uh, Philip approached the chariot. The man was reading a passage of scripture out of Isaiah 
that he could not understand. And he said to this random person running up to his chariot, can you explain this to me? And Philip says, as a matter of fact, I can. And here is what you have to know. There's good news and there's good news of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, that man believed in Jesus and got baptized on the side of the road in that moment. And we'll go on to see in the scripture, the Ethiopian goes back home, advances the gospel in his entire nation. So if Philip had not been sensitive to the Spirit's leading, he would have missed this incredible opportunity to evangelize an entire nation by just listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, he is faithful. He is trusted. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is our most credible friend. He will never lead us astray. He will always put us in the most perfect position to do the most good for the kingdom of God. So as I was reading these accounts, can you see how much communication occurred between the early believers and the Holy Spirit and how intimate and personal it was and how specific it was, constant, every day, surrounding where the believers would go, what they should say, even what they should eat. Should that be any different today? What we see in the New Testament is a model of the same Holy Spirit who dwells with us today. The Spirit desires to walk in equally close fellowship with us as modeled in the New Testament. That's how we can live like Philip and like Peter and like Paul in those examples that we just saw. So like I said, koinonia, this word, it has a lot of depth. Uh, another definition that, that goes with it is this uh, partnership. It also means partnership. And so I dove into that a little bit. And, and I like to think of it like in today's world, think of two business partners, or maybe you are a business partner uh, in a company that, that you work for, that you own. Business partners, they need to communicate. They need to act on tasks. They need to push the goals of the organization forward together. Uh, they succeed together. If they succeed, they both get the credit. If they fail, they both get the uh, the. the consequence of it, but they have to be on the same page in order to move forward. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9 is where we kind of see this word koinonia, also meaning partnership, and it says, only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. We are God's field and God's building. And so the scripture tells us we are co-workers. We're co-laborers together with God and with the Holy Spirit. And we have been given the opportunity to work for and with the creator of all of heaven and all of earth. And this is such a privilege that the Holy Spirit makes this possible for us. And here's how it works. God asks us to do our part. That's what the scripture says. To contribute to the plan. To do certain specific things that he prompts us to do. That's our part. But then, as that scripture very clearly says, God has a part. In fact, his part is the most important part, and it's the part that makes all of our efforts worth anything. It makes the seed grow. You know, he's been doing this whole I run the universe gig pretty perfectly for a long time. He knows what he's doing, never forgetting us, achieving the impossible. He, he knows how to, to operate the universe. And I think where we get it wrong so much of the time is that we, it's not doing our part. It's when we try to also do God's part. 
God doesn't need us to do his part. God doesn't want us to do his part. In fact, quite frankly, God, we can't do God's part. As hard as we try, as hard as we try to change someone, as hard as we try uh, to do the things that only God can do, we can't. And so we really, as we co-labor and co-work with Jesus, we need to remember to do our part in what God's asking us to do, but not try to infringe on what God's part is. So let's just look at an example in the Old Testament of co-laboring with God. Um, I love this scripture in Genesis 18. God comes to a man named Abraham, and he comes to him where he is. In fact, uh, the scripture says, Abraham was near some great, huge, giant trees and was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And I think the reason why we know those details is because it's trying to communicate. God came to Abraham in an ordinary moment, and he said, listen, I want to discuss some plans with you. God says, I'm thinking about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. These cities, they're drowning in evil. They do not please God. They're a cesspool of evil. I'm thinking about destroying them. And the fact that God even comes to Abraham in this moment uh, clearly shows us that God chooses to view Abraham as a partner in the kingdom of God. Like God and Abraham, they, they, they walk over to a cliff together and God says, and I'm paraphrasing here just a little bit, but God says, I'm considering destroying these two cities because their sin is so wretched and grievous. What do you think? Now, plot twist on this, Abraham's nephew lives in one of the cities. And so Abraham has vested interest. He, he does not want to see these cities destroyed. He doesn't want to lose his nephew that he loves. So Abraham has considerable deliberations with God. And eventually convinces God not to destroy the city if 10 righteous people can be found within. Now, I don't know how many people uh, that Abraham knew in Sodom and Gomorrah, probably at least his nephew. So he's thinking, I hope there's nine others who can show up for this, uh, this test that I'm finally convincing God to do. Now, we can't help but notice here that God clearly values Abraham's input. Now, exactly how that affected the will of God is another sermon on another day. We will never know. But here's one thing for sure what we can see from this scripture. Abraham was in partnership with God. The reason why they even had that conversation is because Abraham understood he was a co-worker and a co-laborer with God. Now, one just clarifying point here I want to make is that God is the Almighty. If we are partners with God, He's the senior partner. <laughs> if we are partners with God, he's the, the CEO and the CFO and all the EOs that, that make him the most important and the most powerful and the most almighty. And he always deserves our reverence and our awe. And honestly, it is only by his grace and his mercy that we are even able to partner and work with him. He has chosen to allow us to be part of this grand plan and design. And this makes our lives so meaningful. It makes our lives here on earth so full of purpose. Because when you are a follower of Christ and co-laboring with him, that means absolutely nothing you do is wasted. And I love how God gives us that great privilege to work with him. Okay, so, so far, uh, we've learned this word communion, this word fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this word koinonia uh, means friendship, it means intimacy, um, it means partnership. So here's the last kind of layer of that word I want to unpeel today. Uh, koinonia also means mutual association. So here's an example of mutual association. And if you're watching from your living room today, uh, you can answer out loud. When I say Larry and Curly... 
Who do you think of? Mo is the right answer. I miss you guys not being here in the audience with me. When I say John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison, who do you think of? Ringo Starr. Okay, so what makes the Three Stooges and the Beatles great is their dynamic together. Apart, uh, Larry isn't as funny. <laughs> um, apart, uh, the Beatles didn't do as well. They're dependent on each other. That's what makes them. Mutually association makes them stronger. And so here's, here's the analogy. Close mutual association with the Holy Spirit means we're dependent on him. That without him, uh, we are not as, as strong. Without him, we are not as effective. What makes our personal ministry effective? What makes the thing that we believe God's asking us to do effective? Closeness with the Holy Spirit. Uh, what makes us good spouses? Mutual association with the Holy Spirit and what we say, what we do, how we love each other. What makes us good parents or good grandparents or good friends? Well, it's the Holy Spirit inside of us, guiding us, helping us love people better than we could figure out ourselves. That mutual association is what makes us great. It's what makes us better. It's what makes us capable of doing the things God is asking us. So you might be thinking, uh, okay, we've been focusing a lot on the Holy Spirit, Pastor, for the last two weeks. Uh, I'm kind of comfortable just sticking with Jesus. Uh, he was, I can understand him a little bit better. The Holy Spirit's a little too out there for me. Uh, I just kind of want to stick with understanding what Jesus did. Well, I want to tell you that in the book of John, a group of people called the Pharisees uh, actually said something similar, but in regards to the Father, they said, listen, we want a relationship with the Father. Uh, we don't know about this Jesus guy. Um, they didn't want to accept that all the persons of God were the Trinity. They wanted to just stick with Jehovah God. And in John 14, 6 through 7, Jesus answers them. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus is saying, look, Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they're all one. But the Pharisees refused to listen, and they were unwilling to come to the Father through the Son. And so what Jesus is saying is they couldn't be close to the Father at all. And so I want you to remember today that knowing Jesus is knowing the Holy Spirit. Knowing the Father is knowing the Son. In fact, the people who know Jesus best are the ones who are most intimate with the Holy Spirit. It is not one or the other. It's all at the same time. And so we need to seek God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit equally because they are all connected and represent each other. You know, so many believers in Jesus ignore the Holy Spirit because they can't understand it or it seems too spooky or out there for them or they have some wrong understanding of his role. Uh, there's an author and a pastor named Francis Chan who wrote a book actually uh, titled Forgotten God. And it was about the Holy Spirit. And it's because he used this title because so many Christ followers live as if the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. There's so much more to the Holy Spirit than we could ever cover in these last two weeks. Um, so many more deep things, like how the Holy Spirit gives each of us these spiritual gifts. There, there's something different than just natural abilities or interests each of us have. These gifts are special, straight from the heart of God. And they help us communicate God's plan and God's heart to the world around us. In fact, these spiritual gifts are a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, and they're distributed as he wills or determines. 
Um, the Holy Spirit also gives us uh, character. It changes us. It strengthens us. Uh, the scripture likens it to fruit. It kind of uses it as a fruit of the Spirit. This is God's character ruling in our heart and governing our decisions. Uh, some of these fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience. The Holy Spirit empowers us to serve God and, and complete the mission he has for the world. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God wants us to be empowered to share our faith. He, he gives us the Holy Spirit to deliver his message and distribute his gifts with courage and clarity. There's so much to the Holy Spirit, and there's so many things that he so graciously gives us. I love A.W. Tozer's quote. It says, when we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be all that God desires us to be. So the day of Pentecost wasn't about just making a lot of noise and drawing attention to Christians. The day of Pentecost was about empowering Christ followers and drawing all the attention to God. And when you live with the Holy Spirit inside of you, we are destined to live lives that point others to God and are infinitely more than we could ever think or imagine. So pray with me this morning. Holy Spirit, we just pray that prayer we prayed last week. We want to know you better. Help us be in koinonia with you. Help us be in communion and fellowship. Help us be able to hear your very specific uh, things for our life, where we should go, who we should talk to, Use us strategically to partner with you to advance the kingdom of God. We know that that brings so much purpose and meaning to our lives. God, would you increase our courage? Would you increase our clarity to use our gifts? Help us grow in spiritual character and in spiritual gifts, Lord God. Help us activate them and use them in ways that you have asked us to. God, we love you. We want more of you. And we know as we get to know you, we get to know Jesus and we get to know the Father. And, and in, in this miraculous, amazing, supernatural way, you are three persons in one. And so God, thank you so much for who you are. We honor you today and we believe when we do that, uh, you show up. And so God, thank you for that. And we just give you all the praise. And it's in your name I pray, amen. I want you to take a moment and discuss some things together. I uh, hear some questions about this uh, sermon that I'd love for you to talk about. Number one, do you feel you have koinonia with the Holy Spirit? Why or why not? Number two, are there any situations you are trying to do God's part of the work instead of just your part? And number three, take some time to commit to memory John 14, 6, and pray you can share that verse with at least one person this week. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.